You're listening to the Full 10 Yards of Brett Ball Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Yes, welcome everyone to the Full 10 Yards at Brit Ball Podcast. Hope you're all doing fabulously well. Hope your cabin fevers are not doing too badly. I'm here to help you pass the next 45 minutes or so. Uh, we are talking things north of the border today as we venture over to the East Kilbride Pirates. Uh, they are the focus of today's podcast. We talk to the head coach and a player for today's show and I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into it though, please make sure that if you do like the show, do us a big favour. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and if you're feeling extra generous or have an extra five seconds, and let's face it, you do because there's a pandemic going on. So you're either probably out walking the dog or sitting at home doing nothing. So yeah, you do have a couple of seconds. Uh, go hit five stars on Apple Podcasts and maybe leave a little review too uh, I for one would really appreciate it not a lot of content out there and I do like to try and bring you a bit of content on all things Britball so let's help each other out folks let's help each other out you can follow us on Twitter at F10YBritball and if you haven't been on the podcast yet maybe you're part of a team uh, that wants to get involved and uh, come on for an interview please do so please get in touch I think my DMs are open the last time I checked we would love to have you on but that's enough nattering for me, from me let's go and have a chat with these goodbye pirates Okay, let's get things rolling. And uh, to start us off, we have a team that needs no introduction due to being one of the more prestigious teams in Britball and uh, certainly a head coach that uh, doesn't need an introduction either. But we've given both anyway. Uh, it's Jamie McLaughlin, the head coach of East Kill by Pirates. Jamie, welcome you in. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. Um, busy times, obviously, for everybody staying at home. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Strange, certainly strange times we live in. But um, yeah, obviously we've had you on the podcast before. It's always welcome uh, to have a to spend fifteen twenty minutes with you to talk about um, American football in this country. And of course, we we will get to that documentary that uh, you were the poster boy for because um, it's just that's quite something. And I'm sure you don't mind talking about it. But before we get to that uh, to, to that kind of uh, interesting talk, let's uh, just a, a quick uh, gloss over East Kilbride. Uh, your introduction about you know, how you came across and how you got involved with them and, and what you are striving to do there? Uh, yeah, so um, I started uh, playing American football back in the um, when Glasgow Caledonian University, the team I went to Strathclyde University, but back then it wasn't Bucks and you could, um, as long as your institution didn't have a team, you could just jump right over to somewhere else. Um, so that's what I did, uh, really just to try the sport out. Um, and sort of long story short, some of the Pirates players were refereeing at a game that we played, um, invited me along, uh, went along and that was that was kind of that. I ended up playing for um, nine seasons. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, for, for those that maybe don't know so much about maybe the people that live south uh, south of, of, of England and don't know too much about maybe uh, the north the north side of things, especially Scotland, just maybe say uh, say where you're based out of and maybe some some rivals that you have or who you look forward to playing the, the most. <laughs> yeah, well, there's uh, there's no shortage of teams in the west coast <laughs> of Scotland. It's um, yeah, we uh, we are based out of uh, at the moment Giffnock, uh, Glasgow Hutchinson Irish and Rugby Club. Um, which is a great venue, uh, definitely the best that I've uh, we've had since since I've been around. Um, and uh, yeah, in terms of local um, rivalry, it's it's quite new. A lot of it we haven't really played um, a heap of the teams that we're playing now very much. Um, certainly in my memory, uh, so. Yeah, I suppose rivalry maybe because of geographic area. We, we're just the other side of uh, a kind of massive country park from the Glasgow Tigers. Um, 
but yeah, there's there's heaps of teams popping up, so you could find quite a few grudges, I suspect, if you were to look quite closely at sure. <laughs> the Glasgow no. American football scene. No, absolutely. Well, I, I suppose any any Scottish team playing another Scottish team always is always going to be a bit, get a bit feisty, and I think um, your nether regions are going to know you've been in the game. I think it's fair if it's fair to say if I <laughs> if I know yeah. anything about the, if, if, the American football up in Scotland. But um, again, for, for those that maybe don't know much about East Kilbride, what what um, is, what would you say the team style is? Uh, if you, you know, is it a kind of a is it a ground and a pounds? Is it explosive offense? A kind of will score more than you? Or is it a, a mixture of everything? How, how would you describe your role, your team? Uh, I think historically the Pirates, um, before I, I ever got there, the Pirates were uh, were very much a kind of ground and pound defence uh, team. Um, they've changed quite a bit. Um, I would say that I joined in 2008 um, and our offensive coordinator at the time, Andy Mack, um, he was uh, really kind of pro spread them and shred them type um, offense and a lot of the guys that we had at that time personnel wise really fitted that so um, we sort of went into this four wide um, option offense and we're pretty much still in that um, it changed a little bit sort of for a few years there as we tailed our way out of the prem but we're kind of trying to get back to that a little bit so 50-50 um, I would say pass run not not too much of a stress on, on each but definitely spread it out and um, try to make it look nice Fair enough. And uh, just a quick mention on uh, kind of the other the other teams for, for EKP of the set up their youth and flagged. Is that uh, what 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 do you have in with regards to that? Yeah, do you know it, this is almost um, when I started. EKP was you know, 25, 30 guys in a field, um, and now thanks to Amanda McDonald, who's our our chairperson, it's absolutely exploded. Um, I think there's well over two hundred, maybe two hundred and fifty people in the club now. We have seven teams. Um, I think that may be expanded. I may be wrong, um, but so we've got a uh, women's um, women's flag. We've got senior, um, which is adults, not technically not men's, uh, as women can play that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then junior and youth. Uh, we have two youth teams, and I believe we have we had w- one of the youth teams had a flag team associated, and I think it maybe no longer exists. And the other youth teams get a flag team. It's hard to keep up. Um, there's so much going on. I don't know how Amanda manages it, but uh, yeah. yeah, there's heaps and heaps. No, I can I can certainly imagine Amanda is one of the uh, one of the unsung heroes. I think of EKP. I think it's fair to say. Uh, um, <laughs> just not even close. She's no. a, she's a a god. No, absolutely. Um, before we before we take a, maybe a, a, a little look down history lane and, and last season, uh, obviously this off season has been a bit disrupted due to the, uh, the the coronavirus. But were you able to conduct any rookie days? Were they any good? Uh, were they successful in terms of maybe getting a few people in, or were you not able to to conduct any due to the, the stuff that's going on? Yeah, no, we, we had uh, had a rookie day. Um, heaps heaps of guys in the door. As always, retention is really the big thing. I don't think it's um, hard for a lot of teams to be able to uh, get guys to turn up to a rookie day, but it's about sure. making sure that those guys look um, or, or feel sorry themselves that they're going to be valuable for the coming year, yep. um, and then retaining as many as possible and try to try to grow the club. Um, I think it's actually it's a funny challenge because uh, there comes a there came a point certainly when I was playing where you know you, you almost had to have a separate set up to be able to house the number of bodies we had. Um, I think the roster uh, sort of as it approached the peak when I was playing sort of started topping towards 60, 70 guys. Mm. Um, and so once you get to that number, try to get everyone on the field is, is quite difficult. So that was a, a problem for us previously, but um, certainly at the moment we're uh, super keen to have people along and, and just get them involved. We're not really in that 
um, extreme state anymore. We've still got a, a healthy squad, but um, I guess it's we're all about growing it now. Absolutely, and if, if not, if not all, uh, the, the vast majority of them are all stuck at home at the moment. Obviously, no training available due to the, the yeah. coronavirus that's going on. Is there any advice or anything that you've given the players, or you know, maybe certain player um, positions to, to focus on what during the kind of the house arrest? <laughs> yeah, it's, well, we always um, we always talk about good overfilm and, and things like that. So uh, I think all the guys will, will still be doing that, um, but. I think some people sometimes need a little bit of encouragement to listen to the government. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> don't. This is this is not a uh, this is not a don't officially train. This is a do not train uh, yeah. type situation that we've got now. So it's pretty much got us all on hold almost. Mm. And obviously, it's going to have a knock-on effect. Uh, if not, may, maybe even totally demolish the twenty twenty season. Do you think we'll see anything this season? Uh, I don't know. It's political if I pick an answer here. <laughs> I, would, I would probably, I would probably say if if you were to ask me my guess, I would say probably not. Probably would not. you would you take a shortened season playing each team once maybe? Because obviously the divisions the divisions aren't aren't the biggest. I know obviously a gripe for for some teams and managers uh, have been that some maybe some gaps between game weeks. Um, obviously, obviously if, as there aren't a lot of teams in the division, if a shortened season could see uh, could certainly see what playing each team once. Would would that be acceptable for you as a kind of a plan Z? So, so yeah, I mean, if we could play each team once, uh, I certainly you wouldn't find a lot of complaint about that from me. Um, I'm, I think there's two main things that pop into my head. I think the first is that there's perhaps um, a chance that some people might want some unbalanced sort of season. I think we see that a lot in the junior league where sure. um, you don't play every team an equal number of times. Right. Uh, so that that would nip me a little bit um, because I always think that that sort of imbalance ruins. Uh, parity a little bit there's always mm. someone coming or worse off um, yeah. and then the other thing that I think um, I'm all up for playing a shortened season but there would need to be lead time into that we obviously haven't had any training camp mm-hmm. this year which is something we always find to be um, really useful in the run up to season gets us a lot of time gets people all up on speed um, so we've not had that so I think it would be challenging if we suddenly appeared in uh, say when's the playoffs the playoffs were starting August, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the last yeah. last week was the ninth of August, last week the regular season, um, and that was like a, a delay week. So if we were to play everybody once, we'd basically be talking about having to at the absolute latest be practicing again, um, sort of towards the tail end of June. Mm. Um, I think that could be quite tricky, but mm. that's, I mean, if if we can get that through, quite tricky is better than no season. So. Mm. No, certainly, and obviously, uh, yeah. If you don't manage to get back to the practice field till June, you've got some. You've certainly got some filler with uh, this documentary, uh, "Return to the Top." Um, <laughs> obviously, watching it back and uh, having you know, limited uh, exposure to to the setup there, and coming to watch a game, and obviously came to train one one time as well. Um, how how did the how did the documentary come about? Whose whose kind of idea was it? I, I, I dare to say it was yours, considering the amount of camera time you got. <laughs> <laughs> No, it wasn't my idea. Um, so, I got, um, the guy actually I mentioned before, our OC, um, when I used to play, is a guy called Andrew McIntosh. He's, uh, he's been about the sport for since God was a boy. And uh, he uh, sort of mentioned, I don't even know about approach, I think he just sort of mentioned in the past and he'd quite like to do a wee documentary. It's something he's always wanted to do and he wanted to pull it together and um, just sort of said okay if I'm like it you know that way where you don't really expect 
I don't want to tarnish him on air. Not that I didn't expect him to finish it, but there was a little bit of me thought, that's a long lead time for a project. You'd have to really, really want to do it in order to finish that off. Sure. And then suddenly it was beat in a cinema. <laughs> but, well, <laughs> the hell happened there. So, uh, so yeah, that's um, it, it was all Andrew's idea. and He, he obviously ran it by um, Amanda and uh, people within the club to make sure that that was okay. Um, and I sort of agreed and then it sort of happened now people are starting to talk talk to me about it mm. but they're all done to be honest well, as I say, obviously we get we get to the playback um, very very shortly indeed. But um, you know that 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 front poster, the the facial put in there, that's that's blockbuster Hollywood stuff that's going on there. Where did you get the uh, inspiration from from that? Oh my god, I don't know. Where you got that <laughs> photo. Like it's the worst photo in the universe. And <laughs> like for whatever reason, he asked. He said, told me that he because the poster actually came out without my knowledge at all so I logged on to Facebook one day I've been tagged about a thousand times in this picture um, and I, th- I said where in the world did you get that I said oh you know I asked um, I asked a friend or a colleague or something like that and they said that was the best picture I thought what other pictures did you have that's an <laughs> absolute howler yeah. Um, and, but and yeah yeah and since you've got you've probably got it on a canvas or framed or something haven't you I certainly do not <laughs> 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 I've, um, no, there's no amount of wall space I could have that could uh, require that to have to get put up. Yeah, and the other the other question I have, obviously, from watching the documentary back, did you have a swear jar during the uh, during it? <laughs> oh man, this is this is the number one bit of feedback. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love I love the passion. I just wonder, yeah, if you yeah the swear swear jar, you've got a, a a good community project on your hands there. Yeah, I've got absolutely uh, I've got absolutely <laughs> no excuse whatsoever. I just um, yeah. Yep, man, yeah, well, man did not like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Give me just, a route for it immediately. I was like, oh, ladies, ladies and, gen- ladies and gents, listening out there, find someone that loves you. The the, the amount that Jamie loves the camera and the f bomb, and then you'll you'll be doing very well indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, we oh, will. No. Let, let's get into the let's get into the meat of it though. Obviously, um, what did you find watching it back? Obviously, uh, this season kind of ended in heartbreaking circumstances against Sandwell, um, but even before that, it, it's really good and really refreshing to watch you you kind of and the team in action uh, and the passion that you you guys have. What, what did you make when you when you watched it all back? Because it's, it's a good hour as well. It's, it's really good watch. So. Um, I think the first thing to probably call out is it may have changed since I watched it. So I watched it prior to, like quite a long way prior to actually being okay. released and I haven't since. Um, but I did uh, kind of throughout the year and he was like sharing little bits that he captured, probably more conversationally than question mm. whether he should put them in or not. I actually wasn't sure what was going to be in at the end. Um, but uh, yeah, just I think the, f- the first thing that I noticed was that I did swear a lot. Um <laughs> So I actually messaged them at the time. I said, I really need to cut that out. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I think it just, it's funny when you look back and you see, I don't remember being particularly, well, stressed is a word, but um, on the sideline, I don't remember feeling particularly stressed out at any point in any sure. game. Um, 
And I think that was something that I sort of picked up on quite a lot. It's, it's sort of like quite stressed a lot of the time. I think you relax a little bit. You have a heart attack at the time I'm 35. Yeah, well, I, know, I, I can see you chomping at the bit wanting to, wanting to get on the field. But so just to, obviously that, that kind of runs through the players though, I, I suppose. And do, do the players appreciate your, your style of coaching and giving it to them straight? And, you know, because of the team talks that are included and even before and after the game and certainly the, the team talk after the loss to the Samuel Steelers. Um, do, do you find that the players yeah like that and... Uh, kind of respond to that? Uh, I think you probably have to ask them. <laughs> oh, we'll get to see me. Maybe, 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 maybe some, maybe some do, maybe some don't. Um, I think the one thing that I would say is we, we tried all year, and we'll always try as long as I'm involved to, to sort of um, accountability is something that I think is really important. And mm-hmm. um, when I sort of look at successful situations, whether it be external or, or things that we've done. More often than not, success happens because people stop trying to find a reason why they shouldn't be successful and start yeah. finding reasons why they can be. Um, and sometimes you don't, you know, it might be that the situation is actually impossible. We talked about that an awful lot throughout the season. It doesn't matter if it's something that's uncontrollable. The only thing that you can do is do everything you can. So even if you know that you're already going to fail, still do everything that's, you know, within your gift to, to yeah. try and make it succeed. Yeah. Um, and that was, I think, the, the biggest thing we tried to get across. And sometimes that may be quite an aggressive <laughs> try to get it across, especially if we're on the actual sideline about to go back on the field. Um, and sometimes it was you know, a case of messaging players away uh, from the camera, if you like, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, giving, giving them some chat individually. Um, but yeah, it's, I would say that's probably the overriding thing that we try to achieve because we've got some really talented players and some guys are really, really good, but it's, mm. it's not quite good enough to be talented you have to effort is the number one thing that sure. you know will, will decide whether you win or not yeah no that's fair enough and let's say just a reminder that you can find that over on youtube return to the top uh just a quick last point on that the outtakes and uh, tom Selleck. because what's, what's that one about <laughs> i can see him right now i'm in an office uh, <laughs> yeah he's um <laughs> so this it's a long story but essentially amounts to uh, when i moved into my house um, I got handed a whole heap of stuff from my mum as she jettisoned everything that I won from her house uh, and um, in amongst these Disney sort of pictures was this pencil drawn portrait of Tom Selleck which um, is dated 1986 and I have I was born in 1987 so definitely not mine um, yeah it just it made its way to my house and I've got the, the world's sort of jazziest 70s carpet in my office as well so I feel like it almost sort of fits goes there's a yeah there's a there's a theme going on in here that you get it hung up yeah yeah that's uh, that's that's fair enough uh but yeah if you want if you want to see a picture of tom Selleck and uh maybe the upper <laughs> the upper part of jamie mclaughlin's uh upper, upper thigh uh go and check that video out but um <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite part to be fair i, I, yeah, I, I, I could uh, tell i really enjoyed I could tell it was. I could tell it was. Um, okay, let, let's uh, a couple of quick fires then before we move on to to interview one of the players. Um, what's, uh, if you could if you could change one run uh, rule about Britball, either on the field or off the field, what would it be? One rule. Yep. One rule or one thing. Is this where I'm supposed to say holding after the? Uh... <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, no, I'd probably if I had to change one one rule, it would be. Uh, I best just I best just say uh, the Taunton rule. Okay, that's Taunton. fair enough. Yeah, I take, take that away. I'd, I'd make it NFLs where you can do what you like. Yeah. Uh, 
within reason, whereas the NCAA rules are nonsense for that. Yeah, no, I think that's quite a common theme when uh, I've asked that question on, on our Britball Week uh, interviews. Um, if you had one million to spend on grassroots and it's one million for a reason, where would you put it? Because uh, it's not a lot of money, but it's... it's, an, it's to do I'd set, set up... Uh, set up um, I'd probably pay, pay two or three, depending on what kind of scope you were going for, and set up equipment in every single school and have someone going around doing after-school clubs for American football. Sure. Okay. That, no, that's fair enough. And just with regards to the like the NFL Academy that's that's recently opened and you know, yeah, students starting to go through there, do you think that's a, a step in the right direction for Britball or do you think more and more uh, as a whole needs to be done up and down the country? Um, yeah, yeah, it's a step in the right direction. I mean, it's um, for me, I think there's always like a, a little bit of a tendency for people to complain a little bit about London bias, but you know, if you're looking for the largest amount of people in a small area, then that's definitely where you want to go. So I think they've also got a perfectly good reason for being down there, um, or at least close to London. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I think mm-hmm. any sort of addition to the opportunities available in the UK is a good thing. I'm sure people will always have their agenda about whether they want it there or not, and sure. you know who it takes away or not. But I think the, the sort of brass tacks of it all is the more people that you can get seen by, the more, more people that are connected, the better. So. Mm-hmm. And would uh, would you would you if I extend that to a London franchise, maybe if a team moves over from the NFL into to uh, to Tottenham, what would you are you for or against that? Uh, probably for I, I, I'm I don't mind if the NFL sort of globalised a little bit. That would be absolutely fine. The one thing that I would say is that you have to be careful. I think you know Britain has already seen what can happen if you um, put the sport in. Yep. And then quickly remove it. Um, you know, the, the sport was doing quite well over here throughout the sort of 80s and early 90s. And then NFL Europe, um, I don't want to quite say killed it, but it certainly drew a lot of the fans and the attention away. Um, mm-hmm. And then when it left, there's nothing left because yep. it's, it draws in all the resources and then disappears. So I think if you're going to bring someone across, um, they have to really make sure that they tie in, I guess, with the not that they're necessarily listen, but if they tie in with the, the bodies over here and try and make sure that they're not disrupting um, sport at a grassroots level and stuff like that. Whether that happens or not is a totally different thing, but no, that would be the thing that I'd like to see happen, I guess. Okay, and then we'll get you out of here on a few EK Pirates uh, questions. Who have been in a tug of war between the offensive line and any five defensive players? Any five defensive oh, the offensive line. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I, was, I think I've probably I've probably worded that one. I probably need to put the whole defense on it. Maybe I don't know. Um, oh, okay. That'd be close. That'd be close. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get killed. Man. <laughs> <laughs> guess guess what's going to happen first practice uh, come June. I know. I know. Yeah. They hate me enough already. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, which player position or which uh, player is first on the practice field? Uh, probably Bapti, Neil Bapti, quarterback. Okay. Usually. Which which player or player position are most likely to forget their gum shields? Surely the receivers. <laughs> fair enough. If, if, uh, they can, if they can get away with not wearing some sort of protective equipment, they'll do it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, which player or player position are most likely to oversleep on an away game? Uh, overs. I feel like the DBs are the right answer, but I don't know why because I can't actually think of anyone <laughs> who'd, uh, who'd done it. Right, well, I'm speaking D-line. to Steve. D-line, actually. D-line. Oh, I'm speaking to Steve in a minute, so I'll be interested to see if these answers match. So be, uh, there we go. Um, which which player on the team thinks they're an NFL player? Oh, 
who kind of roast here. Um, oh, this is hard because I'm gonna I'm gonna have to torch somebody. <laughs> but I, I've, I'm sure there's someone deserves it. I mean, Doogie Meekin's got like the most swag, I suppose. Uh, him or Struan Bailey, the pair of them, or Martin Gallagher. Oh, there's a few of them actually. I'm just going with the people that have the most merch now. Um, <laughs> nice merch. There's there's a sort of there's a group of them all turn up and they they look like they've just sort of walked through a Nike sponsored bush on the way in. And just <laughs> everything is attached to them, and it's unbelievable. No, absolutely. And then just fi- fi- uh, finish it off with what's uh, the player's favourite drill or, le- or least favourite drill? Uh, they definitely we, we we sort of were doing sprints for a while. They definitely hated that, but that's like a little bit too obvious. Um, we do a we do a phase drill for specials. I would say that's probably strongly disliked. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's all. That's all. That's all I've got. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Stevie, uh, who we'll chat to, to shortly, uh, agrees with those. So uh, I'll, we'll talk to him very shortly <laughs> indeed. But Jamie, obviously, really appreciate you coming on as always to spend a bit of time with us talking about a bit of EKP and a bit of uh, American football in this country. Uh, always. Uh, always fun to, to have you on and just a reminder uh, just maybe want to give um, a bit of a, a social contacts for, for EKP and how they can get in touch with the club if they anyone in the in the vicinity wants to come and try out or come and have a, come and watch a game yeah so uh, the email um, info at piratesfootball.co.uk or myself and Amanda so that's just our names Amanda or Jamie at piratesfootball.co.uk um, you'll be able to get all the information there uh, we've also got the website piratesfootball.co.uk the East Coast Pirates have a uh, Facebook page and I believe Twitter's at EK Pirates I may, I may be wrong um, but you will find us on, on all those places so if you want to come along just contact us in any way and um, we'll guide you to the next available practice which may maybe in 2021 <laughs> yeah absolutely and there's anyone out there that gets a bit lost you can always come to us and we'll point you in the right direction as well but that's Jamie that's the head coach does he agree with uh, Stevie in terms of the questions about the team that we're about to find out Okay, you've heard it from a head coach. It's time to hear from a player of the East Kilbride Pirates. And I'd like to say the defensive back, Stephen Nicholl, is joining us to talk about his uh, his involvement with the Pirates. Stevie, uh, I know you're a fellow Dallas Cowboys fan as well, so I'm always always delighted to welcome him onto the podcast. Thanks very much, Tim. Um, so, yeah, obviously, uh, I've had the pleasure of playing with you uh, in various uh, various contexts, I suppose. Um, RIP was at Livingston Lightning, wasn't it? My God, that was, a, that was like a long time ago. But um, just before we get into obviously EK and last year of joining them, just to tell us a bit about how you got into the game and how long you've been playing for and and why you why you joined EK. I went and I spent a couple of years as a player and committee member at the Dunfermline Kings. I started out as a running back for about a, a year, a year and a half and then moved to defensive back. Okay, interesting. So what, what made you change What made you change from running back to, to DB? Uh, we got a new head coach. Uh, we had Alex Parson come in as the new head coach, and we kind of changed how we, we went from uh, looking for runners that were quick to the outside and between the tackles to just big downhill runners and obviously given that I'm only 5'7 uh, and about 11 stone soaking wet I didn't really fit <laughs> of a running back so I was sort of pushed 
towards moving to another position and with not being confident with catching the ball, I moved to defensive back. What was that, what was what was that like? Obviously, you went transitioning to to that. Was it something you were happy with? You weren't too happy with, or was it just like I I really want to play the sport? I don't and I don't really care where I'm playing. I had Dunfermline at the time. We didn't have a lot of players uh, for a lot of positions, so a lot of guys were going two ways or going in several different positions, just filling in where they needed. Defensive back was one of the positions that I filled in, so I sort of just made the move full time to DB. Sure, and were you? I suppose you were delighted to see obviously Dunfermline uh, successful in the associate process last year, and you know, depending on whether or not there's a season this year, but at least they're they're kind of in the league now. Yeah, I'm really made up for uh, Tony and the guys. It's been a long, hard process. Uh, obviously, being involved at committee level with Dunfermline, I saw a lot of the work that was going in for uh, all of that time, and it's been it's been a long, long couple of years. And I think they fully deserve to be there, and I wish them all the best. Uh, obviously, being uh, there last year as well. Obviously, I know, I can attest to the, uh, the the commitment from the boys. But obviously, joining EKP last year, uh, what was the what main reason behind that, and um, how how easy was it to kind of get in there and and meet up with with Jamie and, and the rest of the gang? So I was always in touch with Bale Cowboys fan uh, Paul Stewart, who played D line for the Pirates. Uh, we spoke a lot. I tried to get him to go to Dunfermline when I was there. Uh, and after the Livingston Lightning uh, didn't quite come to fruition, I spoke to Paul about the possibility of maybe going to EKP just on the off chance, thinking it would be a good place to learn. Yep. Uh, Paul said to me, come along, try it, see what you think. And... I I think it was after about two or three training sessions I knew that's where I wanted to play my football. Mm. Yeah, I remember obviously you you took me down for one session. I got the ball in the nuts twice, so I decided not to return after that. But <laughs> um, it was certainly an eye opener into the the differences between how some teams are set up. And obviously, I know um, Livingston and Slash Dunfermline were, were uh, a different level to, compared with EKP. But um, yeah, EKP was a definitely a good place to to go and learn. Um, so obviously, first year with EKP, uh, was it was did you find it a struggle to to get on the field, get reps, or you know with the, the with the rest of the team or was it just a case of you know I'm here to learn I want to get better and then just whatever happens happens uh, to begin with it was very much uh, through training camp and stuff like that it was very much split reps sure. uh, everyone it was sort of rolling rotations three in three out uh, we did have a good few rookies at DB that year uh, but I did feel as the season went on and I progressed, I got a lot more reps than I thought I would. Sure. Uh, we got reps on specials and then as the season progressed, as uh, in games, if if we got a couple of scores ahead, we would bring in the rookies to try and bring up uh, the level that everyone was at so that we, our positional coach, Ian McFarlane, his opinion of it and... Uh, Magoo, the the D coordinator, he wanted to create an elite defence that had no drop off mm-hmm. if we lost a player. 
So everyone was getting loads of reps and certainly a lot more reps than I expected to get going to a, such a, in Scottish terms, such a pre- prestigious prestigious <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. club like EKP. Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously head coach of Jamie, um, from what I've seen, obviously we'll, we'll get to the documentary shortly, but yeah, he's a, he's, He's a, a guy from what I I know of him in previous conversations I've had with him. He he really knows how to to motivate people and he knows how, all the right things to say at the right times, either in the on the practice field or or in game. Did you find it was easy to to buy into his philosophy and in, into the team quite quickly when you moved to to the Pirates? Yeah, the enthusiasm that Jamie brings uh, to the practice field and uh, to games it's highly infectious. It gets everyone really buzzing to be playing uh, and he's the the type of guy that you can really buy into and uh, I, I certainly think that there's there's not very many people that I've came across that have met Jamie that, that didn't like him well there's there's no one I've met that, that didn't like Jamie and every single player that pulls on that EKP shot I think would is quite glad to to have him as their head coach, mm. and like I say, that, that, that documentary was that uh, was that interesting to watch it develop for a year. And when I'm watching it back, what did you what kind of what did you make of the, the season on reflection? Because obviously we will get to the playoffs um, and what happened there momentarily. But was it interesting to watch back the, the season? And um, do you think it portrayed yeah how the t- the team ethic and do you, uh, do you reckon it sent the right message of EKP? During the season, we weren't really. I don't think. Well, I don't think a lot of guys were aware of it. I personally wasn't aware that that's what was going on. Uh, would you reckon that was I, a help or a hindrance? That you'd, obviously it's better to not know what's going on. But um, would you think that that helped that you didn't know? I'd, probably because of the fact that we, there was no pressure of this is going to be a big documentary. Mm. Uh, we really just thought that. Uh, it was being filmed for our benefit as part of how we film practice and games. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We did. I did know that there was there was interviews done at like training camp and stuff like that. But I just thought it. I didn't realise it was going to be for a documentary. Mm. Looking back on it, uh, I think it shows how much every game meant to the players. It showed how much work uh, Jamie and. McGoo and the rest of the coaching staff put in not just on a Sunday when we practice but pretty much every day of the week these guys eat sleep and breathe football and it's it it really shows through when it comes to to practice and then games and obviously this season not quite sure obviously what's going to happen maybe a shortened season or maybe maybe nothing at all do you have any are you you keeping busy obviously on the in the the gym or home workouts and is, is the coach giving you things to do in the meantime yeah, we're still having our weekly Skype uh, meetings on a, a Tuesday night where we'll, we review film, we discuss uh, plays that we think would work, plays that we think didn't work. Uh, we've got plays to look over and uh, we're, we're still told to keep working in the gym as as we do all season and all off-season. Uh, so that when, if and when the season goes ahead, 
we are ready to hit the ground running. Mm. And so for, you, for you personally, do you have any kind of personal goals for the, the, the near future, maybe a bit more long-term as well? You're looking to, um, the vaguely, do you, do you have coaching, uh, any any coaching Andy about? Yes. Or are you looking to get into that? Cause yes. I, I remember when I met you that you were quite int- interested in that. Uh, this year, I spent the year coaching in Sapphire as the DB's coach for no, EKPW. Nice. Uh, so that... That was a, a steep learning curve uh, going from sort of being a player to trying to to convey the message of what we were looking for uh, across to the ladies and the team and uh, we went we went from a team that had struggled previously to we played a lot of very close games mm. and our last games were pretty much one score games mm. not bad not bad at all so you're keen, keen to keep that going yeah uh, I think the the plans coaching wise uh, obviously uh, getting on an age a wee bit I'm hitting <laughs> uh, my 30s this year so right. Old bugger. I, I can't can't see me having <laughs> Too many years uh, still playing, so coaching is going to be the the aim to to stay involved with football and stay involved with the Pirates. Fair enough. Okay, let's talk about a bit more. Let's have some a bit of fun with some questions. Uh, the game itself. What's your what's your favourite thing about Britball, and uh, what's, what's your least favourite thing? Uh, my favourite thing is probably probably the physicality. Okay. You don't get it in very many other sports in the British Isles. Uh, people talk about the differences between rugby and football, but the rugby is very rarely that it's two guys at full sprint hit, hitting each other head on. Mm. So it's uh, I love that. Mm. Fair enough. And I suppose well, the least favourite thing would be injuries. Then I suppose least favourite injuries <laughs> or I. I'd, I sort of grumble a bit at the the whole no fun aspect of celebrations and stuff like that. Okay. The the flags for for celebrations. If you make a bad cut, you score a touchdown. You should be able to to have a proper celebration. Sure, that's fine. So I've got a question here. What if you could change one rule? What would it be? So I suppose it would be that, would it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would. I would allow for celebrations because uh, I certainly when I. When I got to have my big hits, I was a bit gutted that I didn't get to to Stand celebrate there. much. Stand over him and yeah, do it and uh, strike a pose. Um, okay, if you had one million pounds to spend on the grassroots game, where would it go? It would go to be able to buy the equipment to get football into schools and get it as part of the curriculum. Uh, I think that that's one of the big things that's missing. I know that when I was at school, we had rugby, we had football, uh, we had track and stuff like that, but there was no football, and that's that's why we're still a minority sport. Yeah, we're not 
getting the exposure that that we really need. It would go to the exposure and trying to get people into football at a younger age. Sure. And obviously, part of that next uh, leads on quite nicely. Uh, the NFL Academy has obviously just recently kind of opened uh, and obviously there's talk of a London franchise. Do you think those two things will help get more younger people get into the game and more investment into the young game? Or do you think that's just that's more kind of show on the NFL's side that they just want a franchise over here and it's just kind of saying, pretending that they, they, they want to be investing in, in the grassroots level? I think that that it could get more kids into it. You look at the guys from the British Isles that are now playing their trade in the NFL and across uh, the, the NCAA, and it shows that if you can get into it at youth level, get the work done, work at your craft and become an elite player, you can go on to these great things. Mm. I think that the NFL Academy in the UK could could potentially be a good thing, but it's, it's one of these things that time will tell. Sure. Okay, a couple of uh, a couple of final questions, quick fire questions. Uh, I've also asked these to Jamie, so I'd be interested to see if these uh, these answers match. Um, f- first question is, who would win a tug of war between your offensive line and any five defensive players? Uh I'd probably have to say the old line. They are some big, big guys. <laughs> That's a three gritted teeth, was that? Would you be on the defensive side of the ball uh, of the tug of war, or? Oh no, I would have to put some uh, some of the much bigger and stronger guys than me. Fair enough. Okay, uh, which, which player or which uh, player position is first on the practice field? First on the practice field, I would say it's Bapti. Okay, fair enough. Um, first. Fair enough. Uh, which player is most likely to forget their gum shield? Uh, we've had a rookie a couple of times where we've had to remind him to put his gum shield in, but probably Galante would he would forget it. Fair enough. Uh, which player is most likely to sleep on away uh, oversleep on an away game? Galante again. <laughs> Fair enough. And then uh, which player on the team thinks they're actually playing in the NFL? You can say that whichever way you like, because I've had someone put a positive spin on that, and I've had someone also put a, like a not a negative but a showboaty type thing. Uh, I would have normally said Skittles. Uh, but well, you got Ma- you got now... Marshall Lynch playing for you, have you? Sorry, have you got Marshall Lynch playing for you? He's near enough <laughs> as big as Marshall Lynch, but he's away at the GFL now, so I'd probably say Gwall simply because he's rocking the Clay Matthews. Haircut mm, with a long blonde hair. Fair enough. And then finally, do you have a do you have a favourite drill or players? Do they have a favourite drill and a least favourite drill? Uh, I think the the shoot drill would probably be one of my favourites. Uh, that or one on ones. Fair enough. Okay, cool. Well, I think uh, just before we uh, do get you out here, obviously, Cowboys fan, I'd be remiss of me not to talk some Cowboys. Are you are you happy with what we've done over the off season? To an extent, it depends on how the draft goes. I'd like to see his draft a safety and get some more help in at corner. Probably need another receiver in as well. Uh, hopefully get a long-term deal done with Dak. Mm. But quite happy with uh, Gerald McCoy. Wish we'd sort of signed him last year before he went to the Panthers. But yeah. it looks like... I'm just quite glad that there's, there's some big changes coming at the Cowboys this year and mm. hopefully we can can go on to Super Bowl number six. Yeah, and I'll go over the uh, Jason Garrett hump. Were you, were you happy with the Mike McCarthy hire? 
He wouldn't have been my first choice. Uh, I would have quite liked to have seen Lincoln Riley or Urban Meyer. Mm. But McCarthy's a, a coach who's got a proven track record, knows, knows the NFL, and we, we could have done a lot worse. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how we get on with him. Right. I think that's a that's pretty a pretty fair assessment there, Stephen. Obviously, thank you for coming on for to to talk from the players' perspective from from EKP. Uh, anyone out there, obviously, again, just a reminder that anyone that hasn't watched the documentary, you can find that over on YouTube. Um, I think it was it was Return to the Top. Um, yeah. Yes. So yeah, um, make sure you go and give us good a good hours watch if you've uh, managed to get the, if you're all in isolation if you managed to get through all the uh, all the games on NFL Network and you get a bit bored and you want something a bit different go and check that out. But Stephen, uh, thanks for, so much for joining us. Thanks very much, Tim. Uh, look forward to hearing from you again. Uh, and I just want to give a a quick shout out to our defensive captain Shakira to hopefully get better soon. Uh, broke his thumb on the last two plays of our last practice so hopefully Shakira's back by the time the league comes back Our thanks go to Stephen and of course Jamie there at the top of the show as we talked all things East Kilbride Pirates. I hope you enjoyed it and I say don't forget to follow us on social media at F10Y Britball um, while you're there go and give East Kilbride a follow as well if you aren't doing so already but there's plenty more Britball content where that came from. We'll be here all week uh, so keep your eyes peeled people uh, and keep those ears to the ground. I've been Timothy Lambert Monk. I have been your host we'll be speaking very soon indeed in the great words of Kevin Cadle. It's bye bye for now. Bye-bye.